Welcome to the Soul Forge, a place of silent mystery, quiet contemplation, and outright mayhem. Join your host, Sean Vanderloo, as he guides you through the adventures of living. Together, we'll talk about life and love, sex and dating, joy and heartache, memories and loss, and so much more. Don't worry, it's not nearly as pretentious as it sounds. Get ready for life, the universe, and everything on The Soul Forge. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 15 of the Soul Forge podcast. Today is going to be an episode about my mom and me. This is her birthday week. She was born September 22nd, 1958. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about her, uh, celebrate her life, and, and that kind of thing. She was a rather complicated woman, as you'll find out in the cor- over the course of this podcast. Lots of different uh, things to talk about, all kinds of memories, fun stuff, sad things, interesting and different things. Uh, she was a woman of dichotomies. What, is it, what do I mean by that? Well, she, uh, she was complicated. Yeah, just hard to really explain who she was. You would have had to have met her in order to really understand. I knew her my entire life, and I'm still not sure I completely understand who she was as a person. Can we ever understand anyone? I, I don't think we can. Side note, I was talking to Bishop's mom the other day. She had just finished listening to episode 13, the road trip questions, and apparently she found out all kinds of different things about me that she didn't know, and also uh, found out a lot of things uh, that reminded her of Bishop, and and now she understands where he gets his quirks from. And I was saying, you know what, the reason I'm partly doing this podcast is so that one day, years from now, Bishop can listen to all these episodes, find out more about who his dad was as a person. And I wish I had this kind of stuff from my parents. And, and she wishes she had this kind of stuff from her parents. Because we, we don't really have the inner workings, the inner life, the, the thought patterns of our parents, the people who came before us. Hopefully, this will, will find Bishop in the future and he'll be able to understand who his dad is, was, who I am. What the heck makes me tick? But this is about mom, so Bishop's grandmother. So like I said, uh, September 22nd, 1958, and she passed away March 31st, 2014. Mom was a music lover. But I don't actually recall a lot of music in the house as when I grew up. I know that she loved Elvis, talked about him all the time. Uh, She loved Johnny Horton and Eddie Rabbit and Alabama. I remember watching Hee Haw with her when I was really young. So uh, the Country Music Channel, we we watched a lot of that. But I don't actually remember the radio being on that much. Uh, I don't think she had a music collection per se. But she liked her music. Uh, Her favorite song and one that I actually really, really can't stand, House of the Rising Sun. We played that for her at her funeral. She also had it played at uh, her wedding to my stepdad, Bill. And another uh, song that she really, really loved was 500 Miles by the Proclaimers. Remember that song? I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the man who fell down at your door. Well, she was obsessed with that song. And in uh, second year university, I think it was 1996, my buddy, my roommate, Dave, had that CD. And I guess I told my mom that he had it or something. And 
she requested that he put that song on a blank tape, just back to back to back to back. He hated me for that, but she would listen to it all the time. She loved that song so much. I don't, I don't know what it was about that song, but uh, it, it just made her happy. I, I can't listen to it anymore. It just makes me too sad, but that's another story. Uh, Mom always wanted to be a mother. That's one story that she always told. Uh, I just, uh, Chani, I just always wanted to be a mother. And we talked about that often. She came to the conclusion that she should have also said, I wanted to be a wife and mother. Because uh, she married my dad when she was 17. They got married October 3rd, 1975. Uh, what's that? Like two weeks after she turned 17. She met him when he was when she was 12. And he was, he's five years older than her. Yeah, I think five. He was born in 53. She was born in 58. So yeah, that makes sense. And he was uh, an apprentice mechanic to my grandfather, her dad. Uh, he worked at Grandpa's business, and they met somehow through that. And I guess my grandfather warned her away from him, but of course that wasn't a good idea. And she was obsessed with him for years, and they eventually got together. Married in October 75. Uh, I was born exactly 11 months later, September 3rd, 76. And my brother Curtis was born in December of 1980, and that's when they split up somewhere around there. I don't have the exact date, but they were married for about five years. Then I think uh, she got married again in 1984, I believe, to my brother Robin's dad. I don't know if I've mentioned him before in the podcast or not, maybe in the father episode. Uh, so my dad's name is Tony. Robin's dad, or my stepdad, was named Doug, but he was uh, a biker or thought he was a biker, and his biker name was Cannon. So that's what we called him. We never called him Dad. We never called him Stepdad. We never called him Doug. He was Cannon. He was always just Cannon to us. And I think that lasted till maybe 89 or 91. Some, somewhere around there, they, they split up. And then uh, she met Bill in 96. They got married in 2006, and she was with him till the end. So she was born Rhonda Gertrude Teresa, and her first last name was Roncato. And then she married my dad and became Rhonda Vanderloo. And then she married my stepdad and became Rhonda Cool. And then she married Bill and became Rhonda Bond. So she had a, a complicated life. She was always a good mom. She, uh, we, we were poor. We never had really much money at all. She was always happy if she had just a minimum of $300 in the bank. But the thing was, she always made sure we were fed and well-clothed. And we never felt poor. We, di we didn't have all the luxuries. We didn't get to go on fancy trips and that kind of thing. And we shopped at Byway and we had the Venture and the tracks, Byway brand clothes that would fall apart pretty easily. But she made sure that we were happy. We had all the necessities of life. We had a roof over our head at all times, no matter what. Uh, we had food. And we moved around quite a bit. Let me, th let me think here. We in we, This was in Sault Ste. Marie. So when she was with my dad, we were on third line and then they split up and she moved in with the grandparents and that was on South Market Street and then I believe we moved out on our own and we moved to the Cambridge Apartments and after the Cambridge Apartments we moved to Grove Crescent and then we moved to Lake Street after Lake Street where did we go maybe maybe Lake Street was before Grove I can't remember that's a long time ago uh, and then that's when she got with Cannon when we were on Grove Crescent so yeah, Grove Crescent would have been after Lake Street. 
same area. Uh, and then we moved into Cannon's mom's basement, where he made a kind of an apartment for us. That, that was pretty crappy. That was the first house on Fourth Line. Then we moved to Gooley River, and we lived in two houses there for a couple of years. And then we moved back to Fourth Line, the, the second house on Fourth Line. And I think we lived there for maybe a year. I went to a lot of different uh, public schools. I moved around quite a bit. After the second house on Fourth Line, we moved to Cannon's friend Stanley's house. And that house was full of rats, and that was pretty gross. But we lived there. And I think it was a year we were there because I was grade five. And then uh, grade six, we moved to the Terry Fox Place Apartments. And so we lived there from September of 87 to the December of 1994. Then we moved to the house on Landslide that my dad actually uh, had moved there and let us live in. Then my dad got remarried and the stepmom wasn't very nice. So mom wanted to escape all of that. And then she moved to uh, the townhouse on Market Street. And by that time I was off in university. So it didn't really matter. And they moved around a few more times off and on other than that. But a lot of different public schools, a lot of different houses, a lot of different areas that we lived in. But we, we always had uh, clothes and food to eat. And so we were always well taken care of. So I, I can't fault mom for that at all. The earliest memories that I have with mom, this was before brothers came along or anything like that. I remember uh, still living at my dad's house on Third Line and... I think the driveway was maybe 150 feet. And so we had a great big field, 45 acres of land. At the road, there was a ditch. And so we sat on the ditch bank and we watched the tadpoles float through the river, uh, the river, the water in the bottom of the ditch. And I don't remember why we were doing that, but we were. And then all of a sudden, mom sensed the rain coming. So we ran as fast as we could back to the house and we got soaked and uh, so to make things better to warm us up she would melt cheese in a cast iron skillet and uh, we'd, we'd go eat it in the bedroom I must have been like three maybe four like not not too old but enough to really enjoy the the hot melty cheese uh, so that, that was a good memory and uh, she was pretty famous for her expressions and I've actually picked up quite a few of these myself now that she's gone. I find myself saying the things that she used to say. But uh, one of the things that uh, she always said was, stay in school, don't end up like your mother. And, and that's because she dropped out of school at, uh, I think it was grade 10. She hated school. She, she wasn't very good at it. She always felt dumb. I don't, I don't know why that was. She wasn't a stupid woman. And she was a hard worker. And, and and she did a lot of odd jobs to take care of herself. She uh, she used to work for her friend doing landscaping, and that was hard, backbreaking work. And she was wiped out and exhausted all the time from that. And then she decided to take correspondence and finish her grade twelve because she wanted to better herself and and do better for us, get a better job. So she she did correspondence school, and then I I remember she took uh, a hairdressing course, and she almost finished it, but then. Cannon was uh, in an accident and he almost died. And they weren't together at this time, but they were together off and on after after they split up. And we moved to the apartment at Terry Fox to get away from him. But he, he kept coming back and we, we just couldn't get rid of that guy for years. 
But anyway, he uh, he was drunk, or, or I'm not even sure what happened, but he flipped his van and smashed his leg all up, and so she had to quit school to take care of him. So she never finished the hairdressing course, although she got pretty far. But uh, she did that, and uh, then she was, uh, she was a lunch lady for a certain amount of time, and then uh, she went to school again, became a, a respite worker for the Red Cross, and eventually became a PSW, because she always wanted to help people. That, that was her main thing. She just wanted to take care of people, and that's what she did. So stay in school and don't end up like your mother was one of her famous expressions. And another one which I've started saying myself now, even to random people that I know, is every morning before school, she would give us a hug and a kiss, and, and she would say, now remember, don't swear, don't smoke, don't fight, and don't get anybody pregnant. That was pretty much every day. I, I don't think there was too many days where uh, she didn't say that. And, and what would I have been? 8, 9, 10, 11, 12? I wasn't getting anybody pregnant. I wasn't smoking. Fighting, sure, because uh, I moved around a lot and had a hard time making friends. So yeah, there was a lot of fighting. But I certainly wasn't getting anybody pregnant. If you listen to my dating episode, you'll understand why. A lot of different expressions, a lot of uh, stuff like that. So not only did she love Elvis, uh, she had a few other big-time likes. She loved tea. It was all about the tea party. She used to uh, make tea and put it in a baby bottle for me so we could have tea together. Uh, when she was lonely, before she met Bill, she used to make uh, one of her cat's tea, and it would sit on the table and dip its paw in the tea cup and drink the tea while she was drinking the tea as well. So she, she definitely liked her tea, and she also liked antiques. She liked to fill her house with antiques and go to uh, the stuff store and all kinds of junk places. Just just have nice things, nice older things. And plants. Loved her plants. Uh, the house was always filled, and the, the vines would go around the house from one end to the other. She, she loved her plants that much. And Pepsi was her other main love. She definitely loved Pepsi. She had uh, Pepsi clothes, and uh, I, I bought her a, a Pepsi an antique Pepsi chalkboard at one point, which I, I now have in my home. And hockey. Did she ever love hockey? She loved uh, Wayne Gretzky, Bob Yor, and Dougie Gilmore. Oh boy, did she ever like the... Uh, she, she really loved the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's one thing that her and I never had in common. I'm not a sports guy. I was always into Star Trek, which is something that she could never get into because uh, the stories didn't matter. She just couldn't get over the fact that there were bumpy-headed aliens. And so she never saw past that, and so she could never get into it like I did. But I, uh, I was into Star Trek. She was into hockey. Ah, didn't really matter. She was my mom, right? Uh, another thing that she was well known for were her anniversaries. She was a, she had a mind like a steel trap, and she was kind of the historian of our family. She knew all the the things and kept all the photos, and she could tell you who was in what and what happened when. And uh, on on particular days, I I don't know what they were particular, but we'll just say, uh, hey, Shawnee, today's uh, May seventeenth. You know what happened in May seventeenth, uh, nineteen seventy one? I fell off my bike, and that's how I got this scar on my knee. Uh, and then another day, like this is this is uh, how I got the scar on my chin. She always remembered the date, and she would always tell you what the date was. And maybe that's where I get it from, because I don't remember much, but I remember dates of when things happened. I can't give you the details of what happened, but I can tell you the date that it occurred on. So that's one thing I got from her. Probably another thing that I got from her was uh, giving people pet names. Like, uh, lately I've just been calling people boss. Hey, how you doing, boss? Or or captain, or, or whatever. Uh, she always had nicknames for 
everybody that she loved as well. I guess when uh, she was pregnant with me, she used to call me Baby Winthrop. I'm glad she didn't call me Winthrop for real, which is probably a, a good thing. But uh, yeah, Win I think it was Winthrop McGillicuddy or something. And then after I was born and she named me Sean, well, I was always Sean Aru. Hey, Sean Aru, it's good to see you. And I, I moved away uh, in my 20s. And, and when I was uh, calling her to say, hey, I'll, I'll be uh, coming back to the Sioux here for a visit for, with you soon, she'd always say, oh, good. Are, are you here yet? Are we having tea? Are we having tea, Shawnee? It'd be Shawnee or Shawnaroo. So that was, uh, that, was, that was always nice. And uh, what else can I tell you about Mom? Uh, she was possessive about certain things. I'm, I'm not going to tell you that she was flawless. She, uh, she had her moments. For example, she, uh, she loved her things. She had a walking doll from the time I think she was four years old. It was like a, maybe a two-foot doll that, when it was brand new, it, it could walk. And it, maybe it talked? I, I don't know. It never worked when, uh, when I saw it. By that point, it was 40 years old or so. But she, she loved this, this doll thing. I remember the first time uh, Trish came to meet my mom. <laughs> my mom showed her the doll, and, and she says, Do you like my doll? And Trish says, No, not really. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> and and the thing about mom is that she identified herself with her stuff. So that means if you didn't like her stuff, you didn't like her, which is, of course, ridiculous, but that's the way she saw it because she identified herself with her things. I might have a little bit of that in me too. Like I, I'm a big action figure collector, and and I never understand why why don't you want action figures? Like uh, somebody I knew was really into the the Twilight franchise. There were action figures for that, and I said, hey, how about I get you some Twilight action figures for your birthday? And they didn't want them. But I said, you love Twilight, yeah, but I don't like action figures. I'm like, oh, all right. And see, that kind of thing never made any sense to me. So I guess, I guess that's similar to what mom had. But no, she was she was a good person. She was a caretaker. She took care of everybody except for herself. That's that's what happens. Uh, she would get stressed out, and the doctor even told her that she needed to take better care of herself. Take some take ten minutes every day and just do something for yourself. But she wouldn't. She gave up reading to to take care of the other things, and she just gave up all of her loves and her hobbies and and things that she liked to do just to take care of other people. I guess when her brother passed away and. 1999. She was never really the same after that. She had two brothers. She had an older brother, Rick, and a younger brother, Rob. And uh, after after Rob died in 99, that was her little brother. What did she call him? Baby Button Eyes or something? I, I can't even remember what she called him. See, that's what sucks. She was the historian of the family, and I never had to pay attention because she was always there. And so all these stories and all the things that she knew are gone because, well, we didn't write it down. We didn't have podcasting back then. We didn't have stories. So if you didn't remember, you don't remember. And she would have remembered. But uh, after he passed away, uh, that was pretty much the end of her mom. Her mom was in the hospital for a good 10 years uh, from, I guess she really lost it in 2003, and then she passed in 2013. So yeah, she was she was done for. And then after Grandma died, that was twenty thirteen. And and I think I said this in the last episode. So in in twenty thirteen, my mom lost her mom, her great aunt, and her dad. And so after that, there was really nothing left for her to live for. There was there was her kids and so on, but uh, the the old old people that she had to take care of were gone. So she was pretty much done. She had nothing left to live for. She thought, 
And so on March 31st, 2014, which was actually my wife Bridget's 35th birthday, she took her own life. So yeah, that was pretty much one of the worst days of my life. And it uh, was partly responsible for precipitating the end of my marriage. But it did actually bring me and my brother Curtis closer together. We had a very contentious relationship for years and years. It probably stemmed from me being jealous because at one point I was the only child and then this other guy came along and ruined it all for me. And uh, we didn't get along for years. And so the week that I was in the Sioux for the funeral, at the end of it, we were going to go home the next day. And uh, Curtis said, hey, wait a second, I want to talk to you. And, and so we chatted and actually probably talked for a good hour and a half out in the garage and because this that was potentially the last time we would ever see each other because what other reason would I have to really see him if, uh, if mom wasn't around, right? But we talked and we put a lot of stuff behind us and uh, became closer because of it. And we've had uh, hiking trips and road trips since then. And uh, we talk way more often than we ever did before. So it actually did bring about something cool. Uh, what am I going to miss? What do I miss? Uh, I miss just calling her up randomly and just telling her about my life and asking for her advice and, and, uh, having tea and gossiping with her. That's, that's really what I miss. I, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's sad when you don't have a mom. I, I, I figured because she was only almost 18 years older than me, we'd have years and years ahead of us talk about all kinds of different things and, and whatever. But, uh, I lost her when I was what, 37, and, and I was expecting to lose her maybe in my 70s, so that didn't come about, and yeah, I was I was kind of mad, I, I felt robbed because of it, but uh, these things happen, But and I've grown quite a bit because of it, I've learned a lot about myself, and life, and uh, just all kinds of different things, and uh, what, what, did, uh, what did we do to do a tribute? Well, so that was March, when she passed 2014, in September. September, I, I, I drove back to the Sioux. Me and the brothers had a dinner at one of her restaurants that she liked and had a cake in tribute to her and that kind of thing for her birthday. And then me and Robin got uh, matching tattoos. Mom loved her Tetley tea. That, that was her favorite thing. And she had a huge Tetley tea collection. Apparently you could uh, cut out the uh, UPC codes and mail them in to the Tetley company. And she had tea towels and villages and teapots and all kinds of weird, random, different things. So me and Robin each got uh, the Tetley tea man, various tattoos of of that. Robin combined his with uh, the logo mask from The Ultimate Warrior because Robin's big into wrestling, so he did a tribute to Mom and the Ultimate Warrior. And what I did was uh, I just got the te- the Tetley T-Man and found a, a birthday card that she'd written. It said, Love Mom, in it. And so the Tetley T-Man is standing over her signature, or, well, her writing, not her signature, but uh, just says, Love Mom. So that, that's what I did. I had to do something to, to honor the memory. And uh, you know what? There's There's other things that I could say about her. I could I could give you a whole list of her flaws and 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 things where uh, her and I didn't agree. But why would I do that? That's not that's not what this is about. We we all have issues. We all have troubles. We all have problems. But uh, she always made you feel loved. I I think she raised us up the right way. Raised us well. Did the best she could. Wasn't always perfect because didn't have the money. 
but uh, she made sure we had a good moral standing, uh, that we used our manners, and, and, and that we didn't swear and smoke and fight and get people pregnant. She was a good mom, and, and I'm uh, I'm sorry that our me and my brother's kids won't have her as a grandmother to uh, to visit and hang out with, because one of my best memories is spending all all the time that I had with with my grandparents. So that that's a sad thing. But anyway, that's the story of my mom, and I guess uh, I don't know. Do I say happy birthday, mom? She she would have been uh, fifty nine. She was young, so. It's it's uh, it's a sad tragedy, and if there's one thing that I wish she could have seen, it, it would have been her funeral. Actually, the amount of people that came to this thing, she she thought nobody cares about. She thought nobody cared about her. Nobody loved her. She didn't make a difference in anybody's life. But the people that poured out, turned out for the uh, the the the, cer- the not the ceremony the service. Holy crap! The, the place was packed. All kinds of various people from. All kinds of different years from her childhood, from people that she took care of uh, as a respite worker, other people as a PSW. So many people. She touched so many various lives and she never knew. She had no idea. And so I guess if I can leave you with just one thought, if somebody means something to you, tell them. Let them know. Because for the most part, people probably don't know what what you mean to them or what they mean to you. All that kind of stuff. So uh, thanks for uh, sticking by me and listening to me while I rambled about mom. I'm going to go end this episode, have a tea in her honor. Definitely not a coffee because she always thought that tasted like ground dirt. So no coffee for her, but uh, tea, always tea. So that's what I'm going to go do. Uh, Thanks for stopping by. And remember, if you're searching for that one person that will change your life, take a look in the mirror. Greetings, Lane. Hi, thanks for calling. You've reached 759-CA, which we throw. Sorry, we can't come to the phone, but we'll call you back. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Soul Forge. I hope you found some value in it. To contact the show, please email soulforgepodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at soulforgepod. We are soulforgepodcast on Facebook, and you can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Darth Vaderloo. Please spread the Soul Forge word by rating and reviewing us in iTunes and by telling everyone you know. Thanks for stopping by the Forge! <laughs>